All right, I've got two studies that I wanna share with you guys that demonstrates classical conditioning, learned helplessness, and coupling dynamics. Just to give you a little bit of context, coupling dynamics are something that's talked about in trauma recovery because when we experience a trauma, we have things that get fragmented, compartmentalized, disconnected. That would be uncoupled, right? Things that need to get reconnected. And we have things that are overcoupled that have become generalized within the being simply for the sake of survival. What that means is that your brain is either gonna put something into a good or a bad category, a black or a white category, and that is to save energy. So we generalize things when we're in a survival mode because we don't have the time to actually assess nuance and detail, right? It's either gonna be good or bad. And if it resembles something, which is where this coupling comes in, uh, that has a negative association with it, then that's where we're gonna see this come up. And when things get overcoupled, things that don't necessarily belong together, let's say there's a traumatic experience and there's a specific smell that's connected to that, that would be something that's overcoupled, right? Where the scent itself is neutral, but it's in that traumatic experience that it gets coupled in with something negative. And so we work to uncouple those things, just to give you a little bit of context there. Okay, so these two studies are gonna demonstrate some of what I just talked about. So the first experiment is by John B. Watson and it is known as the Little Albert Experiment. So in this study, Little Albert, a young boy, was exposed to a white rat. Initially showing no fear, right? There was just a neutral association with the rat. And while the boy was interacting with the rat, a loud noise was produced behind him causing him to get scared and it startled him. So this was repeated multiple times. The boy was exposed to the rat, the loud sound happened. And so he developed a fear response over time, not only just to the rat, but to other white objects, to other furry objects and to other animals. And so what this experiment demonstrates is the concept of classical conditioning where that initially neutral stimulus, this white rat, got associated with the fear due to a natural kind of fear-inducing stimulus that you know happens when you experience uh, a loud noise. And so this is a classic example of how fears and phobias are learned through associations and how this impacts our behavior and our reactions to certain stimulus. And let's not forget that this conditioning can be passed down through generations. So this is known as generational trauma. There are several studies that have shown the effects of trauma on descendants of individuals that have experienced significant traumatic events. For example, research on Holocaust survivors and their descendants which have indicated much higher rates of certain mental health conditions, altered stress responses, and even changes in gene expression among the descendants. So this suggests that there is absolutely intergenerational transmission. And also think about how that conditioning forms at a nurture level, right? That's going to also change the way that that person literally is and so how they are as a parent or a caregiver. And let's not forget that there are plenty of positive things that we also receive from our ancestors and from the way that people are conditioned or have broken through. Because what we know is that the genetics that are passed on to you from your parents are not the genetics that they had themselves when they were born, but it's the genetics as they stood the day that you were conceived. So 
the more transformation, the more work that we do upon ourselves, the more that we're actually shifting our physiology and our gene expression, and thus we're changing the possibility of what we're passing on. And that means that if we have integrated something, not only does that show up in our behavior towards our children, if we're talking about being a caregiver, um, it shows up in the way that we treat ourselves, the way that we treat our communities, our families. So not only do we have the benefit of, yes, getting to take on the positive things, but we also have the possibility in real time to transform any of that conditioning that we assumed or took on. Okay, let's get into the second study. Now, I want to be very clear. I do not advocate or support testing on animals or children or human beings. I think it's a violation. I think that a lot of the things that we have found out through this research truly could have been discovered through basic common sense and you know, going inward, but I digress. So Martin Seligman's work, which was on learned helplessness, involved these experiments with dogs in the late 1960s. And so in these studies, dogs were divided into groups and they were placed in these shuttle boxes. And you can imagine that there's on this side, there is a part of the shuttle box that has an electric shock at the bottom of it. There is a barrier, but a place where the dog can jump over. And then this is sort of considered like the safe zone. There's no shock happening over here. So they were divided into two groups. The first group of dogs could escape the electric shock by jumping over the barrier after hearing a warning sound. The second group received shocks, but they didn't have a way of a stopping or avoiding it. So they couldn't jump over that barrier. Horrible, I know, right? <laughs> so later, both of the groups were placed into a new situation. Okay, so after that conditioning that they did, these ones, you, you have a warning and you can get out. And these ones who are just shocked and they learn that they don't, there's no way for them to get out. So later, both are placed in a new situation where they could both escape the shocks by jumping over the barrier. The first group, which had learned that they could control the shocks with that warning sound and jump over, they very quickly found their way to safety and jumped over the barrier. But the second group, who had experienced the shocks uncontrollably, showed pretty much no initiative in escaping, even though there was an escape route that was available to them. So this really shows that learned helplessness and how these animals learn to become passive and helpless despite the fact that they could actually change their situation. So Seligman's research suggested, and this is where we kind of bring this into the human realm, uh, that when we as individuals perceive ourselves to have a lack of control over adverse events, they can develop and we develop basically a learned state of helplessness, which really impacts motivation, behavior, our overall well-being, how we respond to certain stimuli. And so this concept has been applied so that we can start to understand understand our own human behavior, especially in the context of, you know, depression and the way that we perceive ourselves in relationship to the world, right? How we live our lives, how empowered we feel to rise up, to rise up. I just want to say this. Okay. This video is pretty much done. It is our, we'll say, responsibility to dig into these things, to reconnect what needs to be reconnected, to disconnect that which does not belong together so that we can perceive reality for what it is, so that we can exist within our power, within our authentic and unique expression, honey, because that is what we came here to do, not to be ruled by our conditioning, not to believe that we are powerless to something that we are actually not powerless to changing. So, <sighs>
Okay, guys. <laughs>